0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a Kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you that that you're a God that blesses your word. It never goes out empty. Never goes out in vain. And we pray this morning that it would go out with great power. That you would meet us in our weakness and you would give us a hunger to know you and to meet you in prayer diligently this year. So God bless our time. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Indeed, we need to learn how to be weak. Um, We all know the the pattern of the world and that is to, to muster up discipline and determination and say, I will in 2017. And it doesn't take long before we're falling off the wayside. Why? Because the Bible tells us that we are not strong, but we are weak. And we need God and we need others. And so over the next several weeks and really the first few months, we've put together a number of resources for those that know they're weak. And this morning, uh, I want to... Kick it off by looking at the topic of prayer because if we would just pray diligently and biblically in 2017, our lives would be different no matter what happens. No matter if we lose the weight or don't lose the weight. No, no matter if we accomplish that goal of, you know, running a marathon or whatever it is or reading more or whatever it is. If we will commit to seeing the centrality of prayer, I believe that our lives will be where we need to be. Because in this simple prayer, God gives us the framework of relationship with him. Let's look at it. The first thing that, that we need to understand is that Jesus prayed a lot. Mark one thirty-five. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left his house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus prayed. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified, and he prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, we read, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. See, the disciples saw Jesus constantly pulling off to pray. And so they say, teach us to pray. And he immediately comes back with this, what we now know is the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is the content and the focus of Jesus' praying. And therefore, it should be the content and focus of our praying. But before we get to that focus and content, we need to ask the simple question, why did Jesus pray? (laughs) Why did Jesus pray? He didn't need anything. He could have turned the stones into bread. He, He did turn the water into wine. He could have turned enemies and accusers into friends and brothers. And sisters, why did Jesus pray? I think we see it in his high priestly prayer in John 17, the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in John 17. He said, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus and the Father are one. There's a relationship, there's a structure in the Trinity, Father, Child, Son, Holy Spirit. And it speaks in relational terms because the Father and the Son and the Spirit are in an actual relationship. Anything we know about relationship Comes from that. Because we're made in His image. And so Jesus prayed because He could do no other. He's in relationship with the Father. And He must pray. He must communicate. Because they are one. And when they, when you are one with another person, you must communicate. So the, the, the very simple principle is this. If we're going to develop a life of prayer, we must identify as adopted sons and daughters. Not as manipulators of God. We have to have a relationship with God. Because Jesus begins this passage by telling us there is a way to pray wrongly. Listen. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's break that down real simply. Those that stand in public and pray to be seen or those that simply commit to pray, to check it off their list, are getting their reward already. And it's not getting closer to God. In fact, it's moving them away from God. Because the reward that they're getting is to prop up their religious ego. And that is not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is the weakness of dependency. I must pray, I must cry out, because I am only a child, and I need my daddy. Life is unbearable, and plus, I just love to be with him. So let's look at it. Let's break down the Lord's Prayer. The first thing that we need to see is that a praying life that is really after God, because the reward of the Christian is God not the stuff He gives us. So if we're going to have that kind of life of praying, we have to accept God as our Father through Jesus. He begins by saying, Our Father. Pray like this. Our Father. Our Father. It's simple. And yet it is so central and important. You see, God made us for Himself. God made us to to be fully human when we're in complete relationship with Him, in a reconciled relationship with Him. We cannot know the purpose for which we've been made. We cannot know peace. We, We cannot be fully human until we resign and surrender to the reality that God has created me to be His child. And I must live as a child under Him as my Father. Because we are born for that need, and yet we are born sinners. And every single sin that we commit impacts that relationship. It separates me from God because every sin I commit is personal. It's against Him. It is a sin against Him. That's why Paul talks about our status before we're Christians as Enemies of God. Say, I'm not an enemy. Well, if, if you have committed, and I use this a while back, if you've committed some type of unfaithfulness, if you've broken trust in your marriage, and you tell your partner, well, that, I wasn't sinning against you. I, I wasn't even thinking about you. They'd be like, what? I mean, we're married. So anything, any sin you commit, it's against me, especially if it's unfaithfulness. Do you see it? And so we're created to commune with God and to be reconciled with God. And reconciliation begins and ends with Jesus. Jesus said this in John. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to me or comes to the Father but through me. I am the way to the Father. My, the whole thrust of my work, so says Jesus, is to reconcile the broken relationship between those he created and himself. That's it. The whole thrust of his redemptive work is to reconcile son and daughter to the Father. And so the question that you need to answer this morning is, have you accepted God as your Father? Are you depending on the work of Christ to reconcile you to the Father? when people say that they can't understand relationship with God because they didn't have an earthly father or they had a bad earthly father, I want to say this. You know what a perfect father should be. You know what to expect and you know how to relate. Why? Because you were created to live in relationship with the perfect father. How do you know that your relationship with your dad is bad? You were created with an ideal of fatherhood. (laughs) And so you know it's bad. Why are you mad? Why are you mad at your dad for the way that he abandons you? Because in the deepest recesses of your soul, there is a, a need to be accepted by the father. And so as Christians, we've got to ask ourselves, have we accepted God as our father, or are we still pining away in hopes that our earthly father will be what only God can be. I've told our body numerous times, I spent 25 years of my life pining away trying to get the approval of my father who died this past June. About 25 years until God opened my eyes and, and showed me that he is all that I'm looking for. You see, have you accepted God as your father? You may have an incredible father. But there's a better one. Have you have you accepted God as your Father? That is how you go to God and say, Our Father. And then secondly, a praying life is fueled by seeing your Father as glorious. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I love to run to jog. I loved it a whole lot more when I was younger. It's getting harder and harder. But I'm, I'm blessed to live on Mud Island and I get to run by the river in the river park. And I find that when I get up in the morning, I put, you know, those uh, Bluetooth earbuds in and and I'm running, and I'm listening to something and I just kind of get lost in my own world. And this past week, I went three miles before I even realized I was standing right by the Mississippi River. Do you know how distracted you've got to be to not realize and recognize that you're running by the Mississippi River? It's huge. It's the biggest river in this country. And one of the widest points is right here in Memphis, and and yet every single time that that happens, I'm running, I'm distracted, I'm in my little world, and I see the river, man. I just my my shoulders relax. You see, that is what it is to go to God and remember that not only do I have a daddy, but He is bigger. He's in heaven. He is in heaven, and hallowed be His name. You see. We have to wrestle our hearts and minds to the point that God gets bigger than anything else to us. Tim Keller said this in his book, which I highly recommend. It's called Prayer, Experiencing All and Intimacy with God. And I also, I think I've got, um, in a minute, I'll have Tony Evans' uh, Kingdom Prayer that I would recommend as well. Get one of those books or both of them and begin reading. But listen to what Keller says. He says, you may be filled with self-pity, be justifying resentment and anger in your heart. Then you sit down to pray, and the reorientation that comes before God's face reveals the pettiness of your feelings in an instant. All our self-justifying excuses fall to the ground in pieces. Or you may be filled with anxiety, and, and during prayer you come to wonder what you were so worried about. You laugh at yourself and thank God for who He is and what He's done. It can be that dramatic. It's the bracing clarity of a new perspective. Dear friends, you must have that perspective because God didn't create you to be able to control life on your shoulders. And when He's not bigger than the issues that you're facing, you are drowning and you're forgetting the reality that He is your Father. Because when you see Him for all He is, and that's the goal, show me your face. Show me your face. Help me to see you, oh God, grow larger to me than everything else in my life. When you see Him, you will hallow His name. We act like we don't know what hallow means, but I was at um, the Grizzly Rocket game a couple days before Christmas, and I was sitting there eating my barbecue nachos and, you know, just watching the players, and it was just, the game was just kind of going on. And all of a sudden, I can't remember. It could have been Conley, but I don't know. One of the players um, shot a failed layup. And Jarrell Martin, out of nowhere, it was like he was flying, like at the top of the FedEx Forum. He had to have been four feet above the basket, grabs the ball, and puts it back. And I mean, everybody, I, I about spilled my barbecue nachos all over the person. And I mean, I was compelled to get out of my seat and raise my hands. Why? Because His name was worthy to be hallowed in that moment. And that's what prayer is. It's going to God and His Word and saying, wow me. Because the issue is not that God is not, doesn't have any wow factor. The issue is that our hearts are so blind and dull. And so we have to go to His Word. We have to say, God, show me, remind me, help me. Psalm 102 2, do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Does God hide his face from no. Our vision becomes blurred. But that's the prayer that we must pray. Oh God, don't hide your face from me. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. How do how do we get wowed by God? Go to his word. Here's another practical thing that you can do this year. Buy one of two devotional books. Tim Keller has an amazing one called The Songs of Jesus, A Year of Daily Devotion in the Psalms. They are really short, one page. They have part of a psalm. It goes through the psalms, Psalm 1 forward. They have part of a psalm, a little commentary, and a prayer. I promise you, if you work your way through that book in this next year, your life will be changed, or I'll give you your money back. Tony Evans has another one called Life Under God, The Kingdom Agenda, daily devotional reading. And I'll make the same bet with that. I don't know how biblical it is for a pastor to bet, but there you have it. So get one of those books and get in His Word. Three, a praying life demands wanting what God wants. Now it gets tough. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every battle that every one of us face as a parent Is a battle between our will and our child's. Convincing them that we know best. And isn't that silly? Do you know how much effort we as parents put into trying to convince our children that we know? I mean, a four year old thinks they know better than us. They know more and what they want to do is better. Do you know that's what it's like with God? I mean, that's relationship with God. That's all He wants us to do is to realize that what He's doing in our lives is best. And to surrender to Him. And to trust Him. And is there a better example than Jesus? Mark 14. He said, Abba, Father. He goes to God the night before he's, He's crucified. He knows what's coming. He knows He's about to drink the cup of His Father's wrath. All of the guilt. And the judgment for the sins of the world. Oh, Abba Father. Oh, Daddy. All things are possible for you. Move this, remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And do you know that the Father did not answer Jesus' prayer? So don't get your feelings hurt. God didn't answer Jesus' prayer here. He said, son, I know what's best. I know what's best. I know it's hard. I, I know, I know, but I'm with you. As Christians, we've got to get to the point that we understand and believe Ephesians one eleven: In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works out all things according to the counsel of His will. We need the practical theology of Joseph who after his brothers sold him into bondage and slavery in Egypt, after he spent several years wrongly accused and in prison, he is reunited with his, his brothers. And what does he say? As for you, my brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Wow. God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. You realize Jesus is on the cross, or about, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, not my will, but yours. And you know what he's doing? Sweating drops of blood. Is it easy to pray, your will be done, not mine? No, it's excruciating. It's excruciating. But it's necessary. Your will be done. Fourthly, A praying life demands not looking past today. Give us this day our daily bread. One day at a time. How many days did you waste in 2016 worrying about the next day? Did it get you anywhere? We are commanded to take it a day at a time. We are commanded to pray for what we need today. Further down in chapter 6 and verse 34 of Matthew, we read, Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Dear friends, do you understand that you were not created to be able to bear what's happening tomorrow? Only today. If you study anxiety, and I've done some study on it because I I suffer from it often. Often. Anxiety is is this function of our brains where we store the past and we project what is stored to the future. And when we hold things like that in our brain, our brains literally shape themselves around past events. Now do you understand the Word of God and and the purpose and the wisdom of God? He didn't tell us why. He just said, put yourself into My Word. May My Word be a lamp unto your feet and a light to your path. Do you see it? In in essence, get His Word into your brain so that your brain can start being shaped and it can start growing, not around the trauma and the bad stuff of yesterday, but around the hope and the beauty of of the future and the glory of God. That's why we must study His Word to literally change our brains to operate differently that we might live by faith. Fifthly, a praying life demands a forgiving heart. It just gets harder. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We don't have time to go through all of that, but real quickly. To be a Christian, this is the process of being a Christian. I'm a sinner. My relationship with God is broken and I need help. And Jesus has come in the middle of me and the Father he has lived the life under the law that I could never live. And he went and he died the death that I could never, never die. To pay for my sins so that now through faith and faith alone in Christ, I am declared righteous because of Jesus and his righteousness. And I'm declared forgiven. Now, the gospel that saves us is the gospel that grows us. And so we are constantly to be about recognizing the sin that we commit daily, being humbled by these realities of our sin, and seeking the forgiveness of God and celebrating that forgiveness. And so how in the world, if you and I are to be constantly seeing ourselves as sinners in need of a Savior that we have, getting forgiveness that we didn't earn, receiving righteousness that is opposed to our lives because we are unrighteous, How in the world can we live in that and not forgive those around us? That's all it's saying. It's saying, so does God not forgive me if I don't forgive... Stop that. That's just a distraction. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Matthew 5. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What is perfection? It's forgiveness. And it only comes from God. I can promise you right now, if you're not experiencing intimacy with God in prayer, it's because you're holding a grudge against somebody else. And you got to get to the bottom of that. And you may need help to get to the bottom of that. You may hate your dad and have no idea that that's where all your anger is coming from. You may hate your mom. You may hate somebody that did something to you that you even forgot they did. To I don't know. Or you may know exactly who it is and what they did to you because you rehearse it constantly in your own heart to feed that anger and that bitterness. The only way that we're going to have intimate relationship with the Father is to confess our sins, to receive forgiveness, and to extend forgiveness. And then lastly, quickly, a praying life demands dependence on God in your fight against sin. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Every day we are to wake up weak. That's why I'm calling this series, Let's Get Weak. Do you see, that's how we're to end it. I'm weak, there's a force out there that's gonna be against me today, and I need your help, oh God. Please don't lead me into temptation. Why? Because I can't handle it. I'm weak. I'm not Jesus. Don't take me to the wilderness like you did Him. I'm weak. Please don't, don't let me face temptation because I know myself and I'll fall. And deliver me from evil because I can't deliver myself. What I'd love to do now is us just end by praying the Lord's Prayer. And I would love for us as we do so, <coughs> excuse me, to commit to praying in 2017 and to learning what every single word means as we expound it before our God. Let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts As we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How are we going to do this? Three quick things. Let's flash them up there. Set aside time. When are you going to do it? When are you going to pray? Number two. Commit to an agenda. What are you going to use? Are you going to use one, something that I've said? You're going to find something else. You're going to read through the Gospels. U uh, Version is a great app. U Y O U Version, tons of daily Bible readings. What are you going to use? Get an agenda, get a purpose, and then ask somebody to hold you accountable. Get somebody who's going to ask you, "Hey, how you doing?" And then dive into the grace of God because you're going to need it. <laughs> Let's pray together. Oh God, we pray this year that we would be strong in our weakness. As we fall on our knees before you, help us. Help us, oh God, to cry out to you, to not think that we can do life alone. Help us, oh God, to to live as weak men and women needing others to hold our hand and lead us forward. Help us to admit our weakness that we might find the strength that can only come from You. Thank You, O God, that You gave us a simple prayer that—that that is really the prayer. Help us at Downtown Church to grow up in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.